1159 of Radio Free America. This is Uncle Sam with music and the truth until dawn. Right now, I got a few words for some of our brothers and sisters in the occupied zone. You and I are told increasingly we have to choose between a left or right. Well, I'd like to suggest there is no such thing as a left or right. There's only an up or down. America was founded on liberty and independence and not government coercion, domination, and control. We are born free, and we will stay free. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. We renew our resolve that America will never be a socialist country. Well, I think it's time we ask ourselves if we still know the freedoms that were intended for us by the founding fathers. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on Earth. The chair is against the wall. The chair is against the wall. John has a long mustache. John has a long mustache. It's 12 o'clock, Americans, another day closer to victory. And for all of you out there on or behind the lines, this is your song. Okay, Patriots, welcome back. This is Radio Free America. I am Joshua Badal, your host. And we have joining us on the phone and Marco, the president of the National Latinos for Trump organization. Uh, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you here. Bienvenidos. Why isn't why isn't the fact that Latinos, if they support President Trump, why is that not getting more news? Why isn't it out there more? You think that as the news tries to spread the the information that you know Trump is a racist, you know it would it would drive Latinos away. But it, it sounds like there's quite a following. Uh, why isn't that being brought up more? You know, uh, there's a bigger plan. Just like I, I was listening a little bit about what you guys were, were talking here. Uh, you have Univision and Telemundo. They have a lot of power in our communities. In some of my interviews, I have said that the Democrats have kidnapped our communities. And they have them in the mental cages. You know, they have this, they play this emotional power trip on them. And, and, and I think they, they feed out of their fears and insecurities. And that's why... It's so important that people like myself, uh, we support Trump, and we bring the the correct identity of the Hispanic community. That you know, we are conservatives. I mean, if my grandmother from Mexico was still living, she would be a Trump supporter. You know, um, because Donald Trump um, he um, he allows for for the uh, Hispanic. Um, culture to to, floor, to to succeed you know we, we're we're all merchants we, we you know we we, we all sell, sell something we, we provide a service uh, so we understand the language of, of, of business Donald Trump brings to the table uh, Marco this is Daniel I, I think that that's something that probably needs to be uh, talked about a little bit more uh, the Univision y Telemundo because um, the the message being brought out there is is based on the premise that that um, Caucasian Americans don't like Hispanics, and uh, they're always trying to uh, basically uh, give them the raw end of the deal, um, and and so they kind of 
constantly pump that out in in those um, those news outlets. And is that a is that a correct statement, or or am I wrong? Yeah, you know, and there's a lot of money in it for them too. Uh, I was in, in the election night. I was in the headquarters of Univision, so I saw the, the how heavily they invested uh, against Trump. Uh, you had uh, Mexican actors and singers and, and uh, campaigning for Hillary Clinton. You had even some of presidential uh, Mexican presidential uh, candidates were were campaigning uh, against Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I appreciate that they have a business, but but when when, when they're hurting, hurting our communities, I think that we have we have the responsibility and the obligation to. To come out and fight and say, "Hey, uh, we appreciate your concern, uh, but you, you're you're just showing somebody you're showing a, a version of Trump that that is not the correct one. You know, Trump this, Trump that, Trump said chupacabras. You know, and and, <laughs> and, and it's just not working. You know, and I think that's what Univision uh, fired." over 300 of their employees in the first quarter because they were hoping that Trump was going to lose and they were going to have all this, uh, you know, this business going for them, but it went, it went, it went the wrong way. Okay. So one of the things that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a Latino myself. And, uh, so when I'm having my discussions in, in Spanish with my Latin brothers, um, <clears throat> one of the things that I, I'm I'm most shocked about is how little they know and understand the American government. And so they're making assumptions based on where they came from, but it's a totally different system here in the United States than, than what they have where they left. And um, do you know if there's any kind of outreach group uh, organization or anything that's trying to educate uh, Latinos on the basic fundamentals of American government and and the, you know, re- the Republican system that we have. It's it's funny you mentioned that because uh, this weekend I went to the Amfest, just my American Priority Festival in Miami, and I spent uh, a lot a lot of time with David, uh, who has translated the funding documents in Spanish, and uh, it, it's called Capsulas Informativas Constitucionales, which is the uh, constitutional soundbites. Mm-hmm. And it's got all the history that an immigrant like myself um, can use to, to fall in love with this country. In my case, I fell in love with this country because I, I saw America through my wife's eyes. I met my wife in high school. Uh, and six kids later, I'm trying to defend the American dream because mm-hmm. uh, I found out that some people's American dream is to take your American dream. And, and I uh, agree with what you guys were saying before the before I came in that the, the, they purposely demoralize uh, society to 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 have uh, you know to take their, their rights away. And, and yeah, Obama demoralized everybody. Yeah. I'm in the banking industry, so I know exactly uh, what went on. Uh, I've helped a lot of people try to save their homes, uh, try to get them out of uh, bankruptcy, 
Um, and, and I knew something was wrong, but I, I didn't know what. I, I wasn't in the markets yet. And, and here comes this this guy, you know, by the name Donald J. Trump, and he's going to bring jobs back, and he's going to build a wall. And, and I'm like, yeah, let's, let's do something, because my clients are working one day a week, uh, one day a month, and, and something is wrong here. Mm -hmm. I live in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, so I saw people making, you know, uh, great money, and all of a sudden they all they're all bankrupt, and I'm trying to understand what's going on. Yeah, there's uh, a great book to read um, that will really open your eyes. Is uh, none dare call it a conspiracy, or none dare call it conspiracy, uh, a great book that really explains how the central bankers have organized the the bankruptcy of the middle class um, to consolidate wealth for themselves and you know that during the Obama everybody talks about socialism and how great it is but we know that during the Obama years when he was really pushing in a socialist agenda we had the hugest the largest gap between rich and poor in the United States um, and so that's that's uh, you know the one of the results of socialism this book <laughs> so I created what's called the conservative survival kit okay and I'm gonna have it available on all my pages and I'm, I'm, I want to put uh, the R of the deal there and I want to put uh, this funding documents in, in Spanish um, and a flag I, I have a Latino Trump flag that was just all over the news with the, in this Dallas rally and, and and if we can give this to our you know to our what a brother or our, our father that's not on board yet, that's not participating in this. Because I think like in California, we should be ready. If we get all these Mexican-Americans, if we activate them and we show them what's going on, I, I think they'll, they'll see the light and, and we could get somewhere. Do you feel that it's racist to uh, insist or I guess Courage. Encourage you know, Hispanics to learn English when they immigrate to the United States. My my kids don't speak Spanish very good, and, and I did that on purpose. I just I was trying to to do a little bit of a self like I I wanted them to integrate fully into the American culture first because I saw how hard it was for me. Uh, I had a really hard time in high school trying to learn the language. Um, if you go back, the first Mexican-American senator, Octaviano Larrazola, he was actually defending Spanish back then. He was against Arizona that had banned Spanish. And uh, I'm sort of like going to use a little bit of his philosophy here. But at the same time, if you go to the first day they, they made the Constitution, they made 4,500 copies. And 1,500 of those copies were in German because the founding fathers understood the importance of giving this message in the original language. From there on, I'm sure these people learned English, right? I mean, we're in the process of integrating. And it's a process. It's like, it has taken me 28 years to get to where I'm at. I became a citizen in 2003, and I still have a very heavy French accent here. <laughs> but I'm not is that what that was? This. Uh, so yeah, I wish everybody would speak Spanish. It's not like I don't get if you say speak English. Uh, you know, I, I see it as I I know 
both languages, so it's a plus for me. But no, I don't think it's discriminatory. If if everybody around you speaks English, you should speak English too. Um, and and every legal document out there is in English, so I don't know. Yeah. So like for, for instance, say like I, we understand that it's a process. Like my, my family, they're all, they're all immigrants. Um, they came from Central and South America. Um, but what about, there's some people, some, some Latinos, Hispanics that just, they somehow just never learned the English language and it just, to me, it seems like the Democrats almost love that. Like they can almost continue to suppress the Latinos and keep them ignorant so that they can continue to vote for the Democrats. Do you think that that is a mode um, or a system that has been deployed on Hispanic Americans that they just try to ensure that maybe they don't learn English just to keep them in the dark? Yeah, and I've been speaking about it for the last few years. Um, we live in a subculture environment. I can I go back and forth. I go in and out of it. But yeah, we cash our checks at the Mexican market. We go to church in Spanish. We we go to a club that they only play narco corridos, you know, or, or a baile. Uh, uh, and that doesn't incentivize. The, the average uh, immigrant to, to integrate. And I think that's why the wall was so effective. And psychologically, emotionally, if you say you're going to build a wall, you're asking people to commit uh, which side of the wall they are on. And and, uh, and I think that's where, where it hurts the most for most people. That's, that, that has been my experience. Mm -hmm. um, because you have a lot of people that are emotionally here but, pardon me, but they're physically here, but emotionally, they're still in Mexico. They still want to buy that little little ranch. They still want to have that lifestyle that they didn't have with their kids, perhaps. And I have a problem with that, too, because you're giving citizenships to, citizenship to people that eventually want to go back. So there, there's probably people that are more invested in this country that don't have the citizenship that should have uh, than these people that are thinking and going back. So what what made you decide to create the organization Latinos for Trump? You know, I think it was the powerlessness that I had trying to help all these clients of mine, trying to make sense out of this uh, economic uh mess that we were in and seeing firsthand i live i live about 15 minutes from stockton stockton was like the capital of foreclosure um i would go to court and, and try to help people when they were being evicted um and, and that fire that i had trying to understand what happened to my american dream you know somebody took my american dream and i was gonna find out who <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I think that listening to Donald Trump, he kind of pointed in the right direction for me. And so Latinos for Trump, if you go to my main page, you're going to see a little video that I did for like one minute after the mainstream media tried to ridicule me and they tried to destroy me after I said taco trucks on every corner. I don't know if you're familiar with that phrase. Mm. Uh, uh, that, 
that phrase became a political symbol. If you go to Wikipedia, taco trucks on every corner is a political symbol. Uh, Hillary Clinton has quoted me on it. Julian Castro just quoted my taco trucks on every corner mm. about a week ago on National Taco Day. I think you guys posted about National Taco Day. Yeah. And and I replied to him, I don't know if you saw that I, I say, hey, Julian Castro, I see you have volunteered to be the planning commissioner commissioner of taco trucks in every corner. And how do you plan to accomplish this if you lack the basic Spanish skills? So I got all the all his opinions, you know, they're going up. I mean, I think both languages are very, both languages are very important. And if you if you can speak both languages or more, you know, like Europeans, they, they, they do, I think it will be great. But in this case, because America, the American experience is so beautiful, English should be the base, you know. Um, and it is, even if we don't want it to be, it is the base. And, and, and I'm hurting, I think our parents that don't want to integrate, I have friends that have been here for 30 years and they don't speak English, you know, or, or they use it as excuse my friend just went for duty duty and he tried to get out of it because he didn't speak English. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the judge was giving him a hard time. Uh, uh, they were saying, well, you've been here 30 years. I mean, you know, don't you think it's time to, to learn the language? Right. Yeah, and I think um, in today's world, there, um, especially in the schools and the education system, they're, they're providing a crutch for the, the children. Now, <clears throat> I, I came to the United States uh, at a very young age, and so um, when I went to school, you know, that was that was about the time I was getting ready to go to school is when my family decided that we had to start speaking English because we had no support, and, and my older brothers were really struggling in school because they couldn't speak English, and there was nothing to, to fall back on. It was uh, sink or swim. And uh, so they learned English, and we all we all learned English because there was nothing to fall back on. I mean, you were going to absolutely fail, or you were going to learn English. And today, in in the education system, they provide every crutch so that a lot of kids um, they can go through all the years of school and through K through 12 and barely uh, speak English and not read English at all. And, and it really puts them at a huge disadvantage. And, and this is one of the arguments I, I've had with, with my Latino brothers is, you know, you go ahead and don't learn English and you've just closed 80 to 90% of the doors of opportunity to you and your family. And, and it's, it behooves you to learn English. Nobody's saying forget Spanish. They're just saying learn English and, and learn the language well. But I don't think that's a big expectation. I've lived in a foreign... I've lived in Argentina before. Oh, I think you need to pass the phone. Sorry. I was just saying, I don't think that's a big expectation, though. I've lived in South America before, and if I started to speak English to somebody at a store, they would look like me, look at me like I was a crazy person. And even if I expected like help or demanded help, they would still look at me like I was a crazy person until I started to speak Spanish and I learned it very quickly because I saw, like you just said, there was no opportunities speaking, not speaking the native language of where I was at. And that's pretty common for many countries though around the world. 
that don't speak English as their first language. Yeah, yes, yes, but you know, the double standard with us. <laughs> and then uh, we as Hispanic, we're very dominant. Uh, our culture is very dominant. Um, so in, in fact, when I said taco trucks in every corner, I, I said that, you know, my culture is very dominant and it's imposing. Um, and if we don't do something about it, we're gonna have problems. And I think we're starting to have problems. So the biggest problem I have here, and you guys are young enough, or you, your audience is young enough, to maybe uh, see if you can help me with this, but you have many millennials, many kids that are guilt, that feel guilt, guilty of being Americans. And, and they feel guilty to be Americans because their parents haven't integrated or, or the parents still, uh, you know, has that love for, for, for that failed nation that in my case for Mexico, you know, and, and, and if I feel like, oh, like, like white guilt, but it's like Mexican guilt, you know, like, oh, shoot, I'm American, then my dad's gonna think less of me. But I think our dads would understand in, in the psychology, kids cannot be happier than their parents. That's, that's just, it took me 12 years to understand that. So kids out there, they need to give themselves permission to be American and, 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 and just see that some of them defend in Mexico or in Argentina or Venezuela that doesn't exist anymore. In fact, they're never going to all live over there. They're, 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 their lives here, but they still have that that love for that country because of their their parents. Yeah, I I totally agree with you on that. Um, so my family's from Uruguay, and and you know to hear my mother speak Uruguay, you just develop this emotional attachment to the country, and and then you go to visit family. And you realize that country doesn't exist anymore. And and my mom has actually said that, that she's a woman without a country because the Uruguay she left is not the Uruguay today. And the United States, um, she hasn't been able to fit in because she's had a hard time learning the language or, you know, getting rid of her accent. And so she doesn't quite fit in. But, um, but yeah, I, you, I think you know that's... What? I really appreciate you saying that, and I feel for her and just tell her to, to, from me, I mean, to, to that I understand, and, and some of us are going to have to pay the price. Uh, in fact, my slogan is defending the American dream comes with a price, but in the end, it'll be worth it. In your case, your mom's paying the price. I am paying the price too, but I don't want my kids to, to feel that. Uh, there's a video where I tell George Lopez that, that you know, He's defending the Mexico that doesn't exist. I mean, he's instigating all these kids to go out there on, on the streets with Mexican flags. And, and, and the Uruguayan flag, the Argentinian flag, is not something to be using for your own amusement, you know, for your own felt, uh, I don't know, decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, yeah, and, and you know, you still that, I said that to you, know, you know, she's, she's uh, but I appreciate what she did, because thanks to her, you have an opportunity to be an American and feel good about being an American and, and, and give back to this country that has given us so much all around the world. Right. No, I, I, I think you're absolutely right there. One one thing, um, my, my abuela, when she came to the United States from Uruguay, she, she didn't want to uh, necessarily 
abandon her culture. And she told me that um, she didn't think that there was anything bad about her culture and she didn't feel that she would need to abandon it. And so what she did is simply rather than abandoning her culture and her heritage, she simply adopted the good things that came with being an American citizen. You know, the ability to talk about politics if you want to without fear of reprisal, uh, you know, being able to buy and sell without any any problems, you know, these things that she didn't necessarily have uh, in South America, she says that she was able to adopt what was good and that helped her to move forward, even though, you know, her culture and her heritage in Uruguay wasn't so mainstream in her life, it was still very much a part of her, but she's grateful to be in the United States because it's afforded her family a greater opportunity to develop and to grow, to make more money, to be successful, etc., to live lives that, that maybe they may not have been able to live had they stayed in South America. And I think, you know, part of what you're talking about, that, that guilt, um, I think a lot of it has to do with the universities. Uh, they teach people in the university that it's, you know, it's bad to be an American, that Americans are immoral. You know, look, you know, look at how they treat Christopher Columbus. They say he was a murderer. Um, you know, all these things that, that have to do surrounding the founding of America, they, they try to put it in this negative light um, rather than focusing on what good the United States has done for immigrants from all over the world. And so I think that that guilt comes a lot from what's being taught on college campuses. So um, I don't know what your, what your opinion is about that, but that's, you know, being in college, that's what I see happening here on campus. You know, I, I, you're, I agree with you on that. And I think my biggest, my biggest opposition has been the Chicano uh, movement. And I've seen that it's so hard to go in and, and get get that out. I mean, they, they call me all the insults you can imagine. Yeah. But the insults, I take it because they find a connection with me. They call me, you know, that I have a face of a pre-Hispanic artifact. <laughs> um, you're, you're talking uh, about La Raza, right? No, right. So, so then, that, then I go back to them and say, well, you know, what, what you complain about the Americans not treating you good, I mean, you're doing exactly the same to me. I'm too Mexican for you, you know? <laughs> and, and so, but I think that there's hope for all of us because these discussions are, are helping. Uh, you guys are doing God's work here to keep it up. Um, and one day, I'm sure that if we, if we unite as Hispanics, I think we will have the political power. And, and yeah, I appreciate these intellectuals, you know, these professors trying to defend the, the, the Hispanic uh, culture from the white man with blue eyes. But, <laughs> but you know, it, 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 that, that philosophy or that, that, that's discredited. You know, the white man with blue eyes is not my enemy. I mean, I wasn't in, in Miami uh, this weekend. Uh, and I was talking to this lady, she, her eyes were just as blue as the ocean and she was white and she was, spoke Spanish. She's from Cuba, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that, that's a very ignorant philosophy to, to, to just vilify somebody on their color of skin, you know? Right. 
Yeah, I think it's the the epitome of hypocrisy, right? Because they they talk about racism, but they're the ones that are being racist. Because in Uruguay, blonde blonde hair, white skin, and blue eyes is pretty common. Uh, I think in Argentina too, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. so just because someone is uh, white with blue eyes doesn't mean that um, they're American. <laughs> they could be they could be uh, anywhere in Latin America because we come in all colors and and for like la raza the group la raza you know the race they they're in their name are racist and um it's of course it's leftist group uh, very communist in nature and uh they are the ones that are trying to use race and ethnicity as a as a weapon to divide the, the people Yes, the liberals are. They, they, they sort of like, they took that word. Because La Raza, I don't know if you country, but in Mexico, La Raza is actually a good word. If I, somebody who's humble, from humble, somebody is like saying you're you know, from the people, of the people, you know. But here it's totally different. Here it's, it's a, a, a doctrine that it just doesn't make sense. It's an ideology that doesn't make sense. So, But they take advantage of that. So when they call uh, an immigrant like myself, if I just came from Mexico and they tell me, hey, you're Raza, I'm going to say, yeah, I'm Raza. But I'm not, <laughs> I don't have any idea what they're talking about. You know, what if I, then, then if I learn what they're talking about, I'm going to say, no, no, I'm, I'm Raza, but I'm not your kind of Raza. You know, that's <laughs> definitely not the Raza I want to be. So I've got, a, I've got another quick question for you uh, before we head to break. Um, a lot of people are, um, they think that Latinos are not in favor of the wall being built. Um, but I, I hear more and more stories of, of Latinos that are actually in favor of the wall. Um, can, you, can you shed some light as to why that would be the case? You know, the, the biggest walls are uh, in Mexico, and, and the cartels have them, <laughs> the, uh, the politicians have them. Uh, we know what walls are for. Uh, and, and a lot of these Hispanics that are that at the border, there's there's a lot of Hispanics at the border. They, they know they need a wall because I went to a rancher in Texas not too long ago, and he was telling me, Marco, sometimes I'm... I'm cooking breakfast and, and I see all these people running through through my backyard, you know. Uh, I have he's found like dead bodies and he's he has a big ranch, a lot of acres. So he knows that having a wall is gonna deter a lot of that lawlessness. Mm-hmm. And, and the way my friend Jasmina explains it, our women have always a, a good way to explain things. She says it's a lack of love. Like a wall is not to to prohibit people to come in, but to protect the people that you have inside. The the one thing that I think, and this is what makes me most upset about the argument against the wall. A lot of a lot of Democrats are promising, you know, Latin Americans, this refuge. Come to the United States. We'll give you this and this and. You can live here and get free education for your children, et cetera. You'll get health care. 
And so these people uproot their entire lives, they bring their children, and they risk their life to come to the United States to fulfill a dream that doesn't exist for them. And they're being constantly lied to by the Democrats and promising this refuge when there is none. And the wall, in my opinion, puts up a reality check and saying, there's nothing here for you through the means that you're trying to obtain it. We have a, we have a system that you can legally come in and work your way through to get these promises, but it's not going to be as easy as, as, you know, just walking through the border. And so, uh, I don't, I don't think that the wall is immoral. I think if anything, like you're saying, it's an act of love. It's, it's really saying, don't, don't risk it because you're being told a lie. There's, there's nothing for you, uh, in the means that has been promised to you. Do you think that that's, that's correct or am I off base? Yeah, no, no, you're right. And then it's a, it's an instrument to enforce compliance. You know, Hispanics, we, we are very, we, we like symbols. We understand symbols better than reading books. Uh, and, and if you tell me there's a wall, uh, there's a wall. And, and it's going to go to the psychic of this person that is believing all these lies that they can just get here and they can have asylum or you know, all this, all this non-existent benefits. So yeah, that's a great, uh, I think, and you know, Donald Trump had a great success selling the wall. I mean, Hillary tried to say it was a fence. Uh, everybody else, he called it a wall and wow, it worked. Yeah. And it's a beautiful wall. It's just a beautiful, like he said. It's a beautiful wall. <laughs> with, a, with a nice door. Yeah. <laughs> well, Marco, we're going to, we're going to, take off to break uh, and, and move on in the topics but we're we're grateful that you were able to to spend the time and, and come and chat with us um, tell us again about your book and uh, where we can find it so the book is called capsulas informativas constitucionales and you can find it on Amazon I can send you the link later and, and I think this book will help people fall in love with the country because those 100 questions that we get mm -hmm. denaturalized they help but I, I don't think it's enough to, to to get the job done and i think when people um, see what this country has done for them versus what really obama was trying to take trying to take everything away from them they'll, they'll see which side of the road they should be on mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that's happening as as we saw in the rally in Dallas uh, just last night that that uh, there was a huge Latino turnout and uh, the Latinos for Trump signs were everywhere and and yes. the, the T-shirts and so I think that's happening. I think a lot of Latinos are beginning to realize, hey, you know what? They lied to us on Univision y Telemundo. Trump is not a racist. We're doing better than we've ever done under any other president. So if he was a racist, he wouldn't be helping us out. And so uh, I, I think that's, uh, I think you're absolutely right. Latinos are coming to Trump. All right. Uh, that's all the time that we've got. Marco, thank you again for, for coming on with us. And uh, I'll, I'll be in touch with you and, and see what else we can do to 
help out Ignacio and, and help the Latinos for Trump movement here in Utah. Do you have any, any other last words before we let you go? Yeah, just, just to tell you guys that in the beginning, they used to call us the 12%. There's a radio station out there, an organization called Latino Rebels. They will, they will make so much fun of us. And they said that if we delivered over 30%, that they would delete their pages. We got to 29%. We're almost there. You know, now there is numbers out there that indicate that maybe there might be a 50%. We can do it. I think we can get close to 60%. If not, they're very close. And if we do that, I think the Latinos are finally going to establish themselves as a political power in this country. I think so. Amen. And I and I hope we do it. I hope we get to 100% one day. <laughs> but uh, all right, all right, Marco. Thanks a lot. We'll we'll talk to you later, and okay. and we'll uh, see what we can do to strengthen uh, your movement here in Utah. Awesome. Okay. Thanks, thanks a lot. Bye bye. Bye, Marco.